Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden, and it's my joy to be on the air. I absolutely, we've been on the air now since 2014. Uh, we have a website. It's called it, www.mothersforpoliceaccountability.org. Uh, 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 you can check our website out. It's pretty jazzed up. Uh, and uh, today I bring my guests on a little later. But I, I just wanted to say a thank you to all our uh, contributors and people who help keep us on the line. I mean, on the air. Uh, and uh, it's the uh, Virtuous Healing Circles right now that, that's, uh, that's actually helping to, uh, to sponsor Mothers Just to Show. Our goal as a grassroots organization is to keep the actually mother's goal uh, is, uh, is to keep the grassroots voice alive, not only in Seattle, but across the country. Uh, and we're working on broadening our show and making sure that we can bring other people on from other other, uh, other communities. Uh, my guest today will be talking about uh, justice for Jesse, a uh, 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 young man who uh, got killed by a by police officer uh, out in uh, Auburn, uh, uh, Auburn, Washington, and uh, and so she'll be coming on later. But um, uh, this is a women's month. I mean, every day is women's uh, is a woman uh, is women history. So I mean, because we're always making history. Uh, but today, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, about the late uh, Fabiola Woods. I mean, Fabiola Woods. I, I was a person. Today is her birthday too, by the way. She was one of the founding members of Mothers. I, when I started Mothers, I called um, I called uh, five women together uh, that were my neighbors and my friends. Uh, and uh, they were uh, the names of, of those women was Paquita Edwards, Janice Bell, the late Fabiola Woods, and Willette, uh, Willette Romeus. Uh, these are women that I knew, uh, and we uh, held our first meeting uh, in September of 1990. Uh, we had no idea that we would still be going this long uh, at all. Our goal then was for, we wanted justice and we wanted uh, constitutional policing. And uh, we were the first group in America to use uh, police account uh, accountability, uh, police accountability uh, in our literature. Uh, but Fabiola Woods um, was a fearless, a tireless worker uh, in the African American community. She worked uh, actually she worked in a lot of communities, but um, she uh, uh, was um, and well, she had seven children. Number one, uh, and uh, that meant she did a lot. Uh, she was uh, older than me and she was my elder, but also she wound up being an employee for me. But <laughs> uh, she, because uh, I owned Nike Service at the time, um, and she was my bookkeeper. Uh, and uh, Fabiola uh, came from a generation of people that you didn't have to check behind. I mean, uh, those kind of people, I mean, sometimes they're hard to find people today. You have to check to make sure to get the work done. But Fabiola Woods and uh, another lady named, uh, I, 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 Name Lonnie Nelson that I'll talk about uh, this month also uh, uh, as Women's uh, History Month, <clears throat> and the eighth of this month is International Women Day, so uh, we're calling it. So maybe before we go off, we'll sing. Uh, we'll hear Helen Reddy uh, song that I Am Woman. Um, <clears throat> but um, Fabiola, I grew up in uh, Louisiana. I, I don't know her enough for her and her husband, late husband uh, Jeff Woods. They moved here in 1948. Uh, I, and I lived here 48 or 50, uh, 48, 49 or 50. I raised her children here. Uh, he was uh, he was one of the first engineers that was uh, hired at Boeing, Black, and, and he brought a lot of people up from West Virginia. But uh, Fabiola could cook so well. Um, and I, But she was a boss woman. 
Uh, she really was. I mean, I went, as I say, uh, she was my uh, bookkeeper for eye care service and uh, she bossed me. It was like it was her business. Okay. I mean, and that's how it was. Uh, I, and uh, when I started Mothers uh, Against Police Harassment, because my kids got beat up, two of my children got beat up by the police in 1990. Uh, I coming home from the Black Community uh, uh, Festival. I uh, actually, the police stopped the car right at my house. I lived at 29th in Jackson then. And it was Omari Salisbury, and you know his name now. I mean, uh, his name is a household name in the Pacific Northwest and other places uh, from Converge Media. Uh, I, and uh, and then his brother, uh, Tunde uh, uh, Salisbury, he's uh, absolutely, I mean, he's a master optician right now. He does So you don't get to see him out in the community as much as uh, you see Chikendi Salisbury. Uh, he's the owner, but he owns a C-Spot Media Group. I've been on that for almost 20 years now. And also he works for the city. True transparency, all the Salisbury kids, mostly in Seattle, my, uh, you know, mainly, or most of them, I, I, it just might be a few Salisbury's, they name might be spelled a little different than I was, but I'm the mother of the of the ones that's spelled with the S-A-L-I-S. Um, so um, a little bit about Tabula. Um, I met her many, many years ago, I, I should say at um, and I don't know how I met Fabiola, but uh, she's a person that once you met her, you would always remember her or know her. I mean, because she was always in people's lives. I mean, you know, she was nosy. She was up in your business. Okay, whether you liked it or not, what can I say? So, so when I got ready to start Mothers, naturally I would call somebody who knew what to do and, 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 and knew how to get the job done. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and just, she would just, Roll up her sleeves and get the work done. That's what Fabiola did. And uh, her and uh, Janice Bell, and Janice moved away from Seattle. She lives in uh, New, uh, Louisiana now. Her name is uh, uh, Janice Brooks. She married the uh, Gabriel Brooks, uh, uh, I mean, Gabriel Brooks' brother here uh, in Seattle. And then they moved away. Like I said, Roy, uh, uh, Willette Romeo says I uh, also passed away. And Paquita Edwards lived between here in Cleveland, uh, uh, Ohio. So I think she's a retired nurse by now. So we've all grown elderly or older doing this work. It's, this is uh, 33 years. Uh, we had no idea that this uh, that we'd still be doing mothers. Uh, 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 I, at that time, it was Mothers Against Police Harassment, and then we changed the name Mothers for Police Accountability because we got calls more than just about harassment. It was really about accountability and some of the things that police officers was doing. We're not a defunder group. We believe that uh, we need constitutional policing. I mean, you can see what is happening. I mean, uh, uh, there's a there's a group of people who actually want do take an uh, opportunity and uh, and uh, they're harming people. And so you got the police who are harming people too. So we really want to work for constitutional policing uh, and to uh, actually uh, 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 heal the violence in our community. I mean, because this is the inside job. This is work that we have to do. Um, like I said, she worked. Uh, she worked uh, in my business, and she was uh, fearless. Um, she also got the Jefferson Awards because there were some apartments down on the south end. <laughs> Fabiola was uh, managing those apartments, and uh, it was some. It was some uh, knuckleheads in there, some people with guns. I mean, uh, <laughs> and she cleaned up that building. She 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 cleaned them up again because she was fearless. She was raising segregation. Um, and uh, she just was not afraid. I mean, you know, I mean, sometimes people coming out of segregation is just not afraid uh, because they come from another time, another time and and history, uh, and uh, gave them a little bit more resilience uh, uh, that sometimes we might see today, uh, uh, in in the way that people behave. Um, 
but that she would she what and she was dependable if she gave her word i uh, she it's you never have to wonder if she was going to show up um and um one of the things uh, that Fabiola knew uh, uh, as she, as our relationship grew more and more over the years, she knew that I, she uh, knew that she could count on me, and uh, she knew that uh, if she called me, I would come because the ways the way that I was raised that I, when your elders call, you go, and uh, Fabiola was my elder, so whenever she called me, I made sure. I mean, even if she was like, you know, sometimes she was kind of, she was rough sometimes. Sometimes she slammed the phone down and um, do whatever. And then 15, 20 minutes later, she called me back up and said, take me to the store. I said, oh, okay. I always, I never refused her. No matter what, I always, I always went to her, went to see what she wanted. And um, uh, and uh, that's how, that that's how I run my life. And I'm glad, I'm glad that I am that way. Uh, my life is richer. I, I'm a better person because of Fabiola was in my life. I mean, she called it like she saw it. She, you know, didn't care if you were crying, hurt your feelings or whatever. Did not care. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> very seldom she said sorry either. <laughs> very seldom. So you had to, you had to just, you had to just get, get through it. But uh, I loved her. She loved me. She loved my children. And she loved uh, all, all the work that I was doing and always was there. And I uh, and one of one of my mottos is that love is forever, uh, and and that's what I always say that love is forever, and uh, during this woman's uh, uh, this is uh, this is Women History Month, where Fabiola made history in Seattle, uh, uh, and uh, she worked on so many other people's projects, and I think she was a member of the Elks, I believe, uh, 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 organization for women, um, and she could cook. You know, you can't, you don't meet too many people out of Louisiana that can't cook. I can't say everybody from Florida can't cook. I don't know that. But you mean you don't meet too many people out of the state of Louisiana that can't cook. Uh, and she worked on our uh, on our pamphlet uh, when we came up with all, all the things that uh, we wanted to do. We wanted to have a twenty four hour hotline. We wanted to be we wanted to be an advocacy group. We wanted to educate people what to do when they get stopped by the police. Uh, and have ongoing workshops, and then help organize with our organizing partners. In those days, it was the ACLU and the Church Council of Greater Seattle. And uh, now it's many other groups that we have organized and worked on. Uh, and we continue to do some of this work. Uh, and, and also the, the other person I want to talk to uh, before I bring my talk about before I bring on my guests um, is uh, Dr. Maxine Mims. Uh, she's uh, had a birthday on, on Saturday. Uh, it's funny that uh, Fabiola and uh, Maxine are born in the same month. Uh, Fabio's birthday is today, and Maxine, uh, Max, Dr. Maxine uh, Bui Mu, uh, uh, Mim's birthday was Saturday, and she's 95. Of course, you know, when somebody's 95 and you get an invitation, uh, you're going to go. So I went to the party. She's the founder of the Evergreen Campus down in Tacoma, and it's been going for many, many years now. Uh, and um, it was just standing room only on Saturday. And uh, everybody wanted to get a picture with her. I didn't get a picture with her. I did not get a picture, but I was there. I signed the booklet. I signed the booklet. Uh, I sat with I uh, with I uh, went with uh, with the uh, Reverend uh, Patricia uh, Valentine, uh, who's a real uh, wonderful person in the community. True transparency. She's on Mother's Board, and that uh, she helps a lot. That uh, she she's just a wonderful person. I mean, I know so many fabulous women from Women History. 
I just don't know so many fabulous women. My life has been blessed that way. Uh, and, and Dr. Mims, uh, she's another elder. When she called me, I mean, I don't care what I'm doing. I stop what I'm doing and I go see about her. And uh, the work that she's done, she's opened the doors just like Fabiola. She's opened the doors for so many people. I mean, down at the, down at the college, I mean, there's lots and lots of people that got, have got, has gone down there, have gotten an education and went on to get their, uh, you know, their master's and their PhD. Um, it's a lot. And now they have an early childhood program. Uh, that they're beginning to uh, teach them younger. Uh, Dr. Mims is an advocate for education. She believes that we're genius, uh, that we are born genius, uh, and that most people have never learned how to teach us or how to be a teacher for us, but she knows, and she was also born in segregation, okay? <laughs> 19, she's 95, you know, she was born in segregation. <laughs> oh yeah, just like Fabiola was born in segregation. and. Uh, Something that comes out of segregation that I think people over miss, uh, I, I, I really don't understand, is that you, no matter what community you were in, you had a cohesive community. People worked together. And the schools, and they might have been inferior by the white standards, but what they had was love. What they had was a belief in you that you can get it done. They didn't believe that you couldn't get, that you was not teachable or nothing like that. I mean, now they didn't do any social promotion. No, no, if you, <laughs> you didn't get promoted, <laughs> no social promotions. But uh, what they did in those days is that they put, they had groups of children together and every group would always have somebody in the group that might've been smarter than the rest of the kids. And, and so they helped one another. Uh, uh, so, so nobody was really labeled that they couldn't learn, you know, um, special ed came along after segregation. I mean, after integration, it was no special ed growing up when I was growing up in the South, everybody worked together. Yes, we had old books and Dr. Mims probably if she was here, probably say she never had a new book in her life. I, I, but that did not diminish her ability to be smart. And uh, she went on, I think she went to Hampton. Uh, uh, she does have a PhD. Uh, she came to Seattle uh, when, they were, uh, when they were recruiting black teachers here. So Dr. Mims got recruited to come to Seattle to teach and she started in Seattle first before she went to Tacoma. Made a landmark and made an impression, big impression here on Seattle. She helped brought other teachers here. She brought the, I mean, the late Ora Franklin was, I was, was a teacher also that was recruited I, uh, Betty Gray and I think and her sister were recruited to come to Seattle to uh, to teach in Seattle because they didn't have a lot of black teachers here. Uh, uh, and uh, so I don't know what it's like to go to school and not have black teachers. You know? I mean, so we come from another era. So that's also the special relationship that I have with uh, uh, Dr. Mims and also with, uh, with the late uh, uh, Fabiola Woods. So she would, you know, Fabiola was never late. So she's, she's probably wondering, why are these people calling me late? <laughs> She was always on time, believed in being on time. But it was a great party for Dr. Mims. I, I, I was glad to, to have been able to be there. Uh, and, I, and I'm so I, I'm proud of knowing her. And my life is richer also. And I see all the, the differences she's made in people's lives. Because when I, I wrote a program called The Pledge of Excellence, and I, I, I took it to her, and she told me, I didn't know she told everybody that they were genius. I thought she was just telling me that. But she'll let you know that you're smart. And that once you believe that you can, that you can do it, the world can never, ever talk you down again. 
once you have the faith in yourself that you absolutely can do this, and Dr. Mims would do that. I mean, she still does that. I mean, she changes all the words differently. If you think it, if you if you are repeating something that's not cool, she's gonna let you know that's not right. How can you say that about yourself? So if you saw hidden figures, and if you didn't, you need to see it. But if you saw hidden figures, you would know the era that Fabiola Woods grew up in. I uh, the late the uh, uh, the Fabiola the late Fabiola Woods and Dr. Maxine Mim grew up in, and the era that I grew up in. It was a different time. I uh, and I I want to just say hey, shout out to Women's Month uh, for these two uh, two two women. So we're going to take a break right now. Uh, you listen to the Mother's Justice Show, um, 11.50 a.m. KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden, and we'll be right back. Thank you. The Mother's Justice Show is brought to you by H.G. Walden and the Virtues Healing Circles. Join us for Wisdom and Wellness with Reverend Walden, a monthly virtual and in-person healing circle that focuses on community healing and growth. Learn more at virtueshealing.com. That's virtueshealing.com. Also, be sure to join our healing group on Facebook. Again, visit us at virtueshealing.com today. Being a teenager is tough. There's the constant pressure to be liked. Endless worrying about college. Cyberbullying, high expectations, all the negativity. There's no question. Being a teenager is tough. And what do Washington's teens do when they want to block out the noise and clear their heads? We play! Research shows that teenagers who participate in high school sports have lower stress levels, more confidence, and greater self-esteem. And then there's the biggest benefit of all. High school sports are fun. Not just fun. They're a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Encourage your teenagers to participate in a sport or activity when they go to high school. They'll stress less and smile more. And they'll be laying the foundation for a happier, healthier future. This message presented by the Washington Interscholastic Activities Association and the Washington State Secondary Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Dr. K. Mahina Intra, inviting you to tune in on Mondays on 1150 KKNW at 5 p.m. to Dr. K's Attuning to Your Abundance where we honor everyday abundance through positive messages, poetry, music, affirmations, and writing exercises. For more information, contact drkworkshops at gmail.com or Facebook, Dr. K's Abundance. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show at 1150 AM, KKNW. You know, I'm your host, Reverend Walden, and it's my joy to be on the air. We had a, a, our day, our weather here. I can look out and see the snow on the uh, on the Cascade Mountains, and so uh, we're surrounded by mountains. Uh, uh, you got you got mountains in this area. I came from Florida, hadn't seen mountains. By the time when I got, got to the West Coast, it's like I fell in love with mountains. So uh, anyway, I, I thank you for supporting mothers and listening to mothers. Just to show and to bring my Netflix guest on now. It's Miss Elaine Simon. How are you doing? Nice to be here with you, Harriet, Reverend Harriet. Well, thank you. This is the second time. This is your second time on my show, so this is good. This is good. I mean, it's the same. Uh, we still, uh, we're still not talking about. Uh, we're uh, still working on the issue of justice, justice for Jesse. 
So I want you to just say, you know, you can tell a little bit about yourself. I know that you're an art teacher, or I say you're a creative teacher. I don't know if what, what I know what your medium is, but I know you're a creative teacher. <laughs> and uh, you've done several things. Uh, you've had several, we had several lifetimes in this life. I'm sure you have, so. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. I just... You know, any opportunity that I get to come on and humanize my foster son, Jesse, is so important to me. Um, In my own personal life, I'm an artist and an art teacher, and I love working with, um, you know, young people in creative ways. So, and Jesse was my foster son, and so was his brother, Terrell. So I had two, two brothers that had lived with me. Wow. And how long have you been a foster care parent? I've been a foster parent since 1998. Um, Since COVID, I went over into respite. So I just do respite now. I don't take any long-term children in my home. Okay. Okay. And did you ever have babies too, or just uh, uh, toddlers or older kids? Teenagers, adolescents. Teenagers, okay, yeah. Well, that 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 in itself comes with a situation. <laughs> I tell people you haven't lived till you raise teenagers. You know, people can talk. You know, all these people can talk about this, that, and the other. If you haven't raised teenagers. You need to, hey, you know that 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 comes with that comes with opportunities. Corral, <laughs> Jesse's brother. He was nine. Mm-hmm. And- so he aged out of the foster care system till 18. And then Jesse came to live with me when he was about 10 or 11 years old. Wow. They ended up putting him in another home, but we still stayed in communication. And then Jesse came back to live with me um, for a short window when he was 23 years old. So, so I, you know, I pretty much have known the Saray family almost over 20 some years. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, so so that, that means that you were, you know, uh, connected to this family. Uh, and you had great love for them. I mean, I, I, and I know that I, I know that you uh, talk about Jesse uh, often. I mean, uh, on your post, uh, uh, and I fact, like I say, you, this is your second time on my show. And uh, one thing about that, uh, when when young people, when anybody meets an untimely death like this, I mean that uh, it, it leaves such a uh, it leaves such a um, a deep scar, a deep wound. I mean because I I no mother I wants to be in that club. I'm in that club. My oldest passed away twenty uh, eighteen years ago. Hiram, he always liked to call. He always liked to, for people to call his name, so he always gets in <laughs> in the interviews, but. Uh, but no one, no mother wants to be in this club, and I, I and I, and I, I know that you are continuing to uh, to work uh, uh, on this case, and so you might want to just uh, begin to just to kind of, kind of, you know, tell that tell my listening audience uh, and some of your friends uh, about Jesse. I mean, you want to humanize him. You want you want people to know <laughs> what you want to talk about. What do you want people to know about Jesse uh, that the media? might not have said or what the what what law enforcement might be gonna say what would you want them what do you want to, uh, the world to know about jesse 
Well, first, just to give a little preface, on May 31st, 2019, um, Jesse Sabray had an encounter with an Auburn police officer. And at that time, Jesse was having a mental health crisis. And so every time I reflect back, I keep thinking he should have been reached in love. He was having a crisis and there were so many opportunities in that brief 20 minutes before his untimely death that somebody could have said, hey, can we call someone? Do you need to relax? Do you need, you know, do you need something to, to calm you down? And instead it became more volatile and exasperated. And so basically um, Jesse had a contact with officer Jeff Nelson on two occasions within about a 25 minute period. And the first occasion he was said that he just needs to calm down and to be on his way and they don't want to have another call on him. And so we thought that would be it, but um, Nelson went solo and left behind the other police officer and actually went look, I think he went looking for Jesse. And he found Jesse across the street, relaxing and sitting down. And by that time, Jesse had already de-escalated. And um, in, if you learn about the case, within 37 seconds of contact, Jesse was dead. And it just, it just went from Jesse sitting down to the police officer. Um, and, and when you watch the video, lifting him up and saying, you are under arrest for disorderly conduct. And at that point, you can hear Jesse in the background say, hey, man, I, you know, I thought we were good, basically. And for some reason, then the police officer pulled out his gun and shot um, Jesse in the stomach and the torso. And so you would think that that would be enough. And Jesse went down on his back and then the officer re-engaged his gun and had to clear the chamber and then went and shot Jesse in the head. But Jesse's already down looking at his stomach. We, at that moment in time, when the news came out, our family was in a state of shock. Um, it was actually on June 1st when we gathered and we had started putting together the pieces of that Jesse had died. And it was a delayed um, communication, which to this day really saddens me. And we were just, we were a year before George Floyd. And so we didn't know how to go out there. We didn't have um, opportunities like you to be able to share our story. It didn't hit the news like other um, police killings. And so it was really a kind of like an unknown story. And then we were approached by the prosecution, the King County Prosecutor's Office. They met with our family. Um, it was, um, and said that they were considering um, pressing charges against Officer Jeff Nelson and that they would continue to keep in touch with us. That was about December of 20, I want to say December of 2019, and then in August of 2020, they brought us back saying that they indeed are going to bring charges against him. And so just to bring you up to speed, um, Officer Jeff Nelson was charged with second degree murder and first degree assault and under the I-9 
property law. It was a law that was put in place in about 2018. Um, the activists and justice family members, Sonia Joseph and Katrina Johnson, their loved ones were killed prior That's to right. this. Mm -hmm. And so it was their work that right. gave our family some form of justice. Um, the arraignment didn't go how we wanted. He was released on paid administrative leave and house arrest. And coming up um, September 2023 will be three years that this police officer has been on paid house arrest and we have not even gotten a trial date. So that just kind of gets up to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I know that you've had uh, several trial uh, dates, but they never was holding out. I, I, and I don't know, I don't know who is, is the prosecutor or the, or the judge or the, or, or the, or the defendant, I, 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 his attorney. I mean, who, who's, who, who uh, what's the reason why uh, the date is not held yet? I mean, it's always a change in the calendar. Yeah, it's, um, it's like when we, the first time we thought we were ready for a trial date, um, it was a change of judge. And so the defense had recommended a change of judge because of something that went something with prejudice. I don't really know the details. And so we lost a judge. The next time was um, the defense had gotten new defense lawyers. The next time was then we, of course, we had COVID. So COVID kept interfering. Um, and then the most recent time, King County, um, Dan Sanabur's office had taken our case and outsourced it to private um, prosecutors. And so now we have brand new prosecutors that are under, I don't, I, I like to call them independent prosecutors in theory because they're being paid. They're not part of the county system. They're, they're private attorneys. And we met with them two weeks ago just to kind of introduce our family, to you know, introduce Jesse to them. And so now they are taking, they are now having to look at the case, you know, to get up to speed. But it turns out they're paid through the county. However, they're also the lawyers for Manuel Ellis's family. Oh, okay. And they had that case before ours. And so now right. So that's and that's paid through the attorney attorney general's office. So okay. we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if Manuel Ellis's case will go before ours because they had that case before us, or will we go before Manuel Ellis? We have no idea how it's going to lay out. But also, this is coming out not only from I nine forty, you know, because you know after Shay Taylor got killed and all of that, but also uh, the the the. Um, the, the attorney general's office is now looking at how to, uh, will be looking at trying some of these uh, police cases to get them out of the, to get them out of the hands of the local prosecutors. Is that right? Yes. I think that's a good idea. I mean, as, as long as they do it vigorously and bring all the resources that they had, like they did in Minnesota. I mean, Keith Ellison there, who was the, who is the attorney general, I, I had the opportunity of meeting him and staying at his home. That was long before he went to Congress. But you got to have the resources uh, uh, to do this. Uh, 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 and at least on the state level, 
they the the, uh, the state the prosecutor's office don't is not having the same uh, uh, relationship uh, with the police uh, as the prosecutors do the counter prosecutors because yep. they need them to help solve crime uh, and so uh, that's this relationship that goes on uh, between the counter prosecutors and the and the police officers see. And that's why I think that this could probably go favorable for both Jesse Saray and Manuel Ellis for both. As long as they, as long as they vigorously bring yes. everything to bear, you have to. I mean, the prosecutor on the on on the state level, the attorney general's office got all the resources that they need. I mean, yes. uh, you know, they 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 have all the resources that they need, and and it is the prosecutor's job to convince the jury that the that that the uh the, that the individual is guilty it's not the defense job it's the prosecutor's job and i know in all of these a lot of these situations the prosecutors does not defend the case uh vigorously enough to be able to convince the jury that the individual is guilty See? right and that's where we're at now so right. you know they they come with a very good reputation um and I, you know, I asked the hard questions. I asked, is this something you're committed to doing? Um, our family has been waiting almost three years for it to go to trial. And during that waiting period, we've had immense loss in our family. Um, we, um, on June 17th, 2020, 21, Jesse's biological mother, Carrie, had died. And she was my sidekick. She was always with me in court, always my silent supporter. She gave me her strength, but, but I was her voice. And then my father died. And so I then had a personal loss with my own father's death. And then on August 5th, 2022, my son Terrell, who is Jesse's little brother that grew up in my home from, you know, like eight, nine years old till he aged out, he died this last summer. And so Man. wow, you know. We're losing we're losing the family. Yeah. The family. Well, you, yes. I want to offer my condolence uh, to you and the family, uh, because these cases are hard. They're very hard. I mean, I, 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 when, when, when they drag them out this way, uh, the system does, and uh, the family. And how old was Jesse's little brother? The one that oh, just passed. He, he well, on March third, he would have been twenty-nine years old. So he was about the same age as Jesse when Jesse died. And you know, Trail oh. and Je um, Carrie, the mother got to see this, they got to see a lot more than some other families in this fight have seen Justice Family. They got to see a cop arrested and charged. But, well, but also, it's something else. Go ahead, I don't mean to cut you off because I got a comment about this cop. Go ahead. Yeah, and so it's been really hard because in, in, the, in Jesse's biological family, it was, there was a mother and a father. So Jesse and Terrell had the same mother and father. And then there was Jesse and Terrell. So they were actually brothers from the same mother and father. Father had already had died before. And then mother has died. And now the two brothers, that entire family is gone. Cousins, not talking, extended family, that family is now wiped out. 
Wow, isn't that amazing? I mean, it's it's just an amazing uh, uh, to hear this story. I mean, and it, and one thing uh, again, I want to offer my condolences to, to you, the family, and now any any people who are helping on this case because uh, this is hard. Uh, it really is hard, and um, I, this police officer is a serial uh, murderer. I mean, yep. uh, I, uh, he has the potential to be tried and found guilty. As uh, as a person that's almost like Derek, I, 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 I there in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, I, I had 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 other I, I places had had uh, other in, uh, other places on his record where uh, somebody had died I, I, while he was involved with that with with those individuals. So I think Jesse would be the fourth one now or the third one. So, in in in. Officer Jeff Nelson's about eight years on the Auburn Police Force. His first killing was Brian Scammon. And that one we barely heard about. That, right. so that almost, it was like, you know, it took, I finally met their family. So I, right. I, really hard to meet the other families because I look at this trial. Yes, it's because of Jesse's murder, but I also look at it as some form of justice for Brian Scammon. Well, that's right. Well, that's right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> young man that was killed is Isaiah Obit. And Isaiah Obit's case was supposed to go in front of the inquest and they had stopped the inquest. And I still don't know what happened there. And so we have Isaiah Obit and then the third person was Jesse Saray. And so by getting off arrested and charged, prevent fourth family from joining in this. That's right, that's right, that's right, yeah. I call them multiples. I call them serial murderers on the police department. And now all, all departments have them. I mean, because uh, one of the officers involved with uh, that the shot, Shay, uh, Shay uh, uh, Taylor, had also uh, had another uh, in-policy shooting. Uh, that's what they call them, you know, in-policy shooting. Uh, and and I, I call it, you know, they, they, they get a vacation because, of, I mean, I believe immunity uh, police know that that uh, with the with, with the uh, immunity that they have uh, uh, that uh, they're going to usually get off because it's going to eventually be a in policy shooting unless the coroner's office could come out with something else because that has to be one of those things about it uh, uh, that the coroner's office have to say you know something about the bullets uh, you know I mean like like the, what came out on the inquest about the Charlotte Charlene allows yeah. I mean, it looked like she was shot in the back. I mean, I, 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 and that's not an end policy shooting. I mean, that meant an individual. She was trying to go see her about her babies. I mean, you know, she had children in, in in that next room. I'm really still affected by that because she was 95 pounds, and hmm, they couldn't figure I, out how I, not to kill her. Sat through that. I actually sat through it, and I watched Mr. Lyles. I watched her father, and how his to have to relive it five years, almost five years later, and that's what. what concerning me is when we get to trial we're going to have to relive oh yeah that's right the re-trauma that's right to be traumatized again but yep. the other thing about about the charlene Lau's case i mean that you know and and this is what i i've asked the um this independent office that's going to be able to look at cases uh, uh once it's completely shut up as a setup i want to know i i i about if you got new evidence because clearly, to me, uh, the evidence that came out uh, I, 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 at the inquest, I personally cannot, uh, my heart cannot take the inquest. So I've only gone to one in 30 years. 
Uh, and that was with the John T. Williams. And I couldn't, be, I just, uh, my work is something else. I can support the family, but I, that's one of the things I can't do. But the, uh, but the, the, uh, the description of the body did not match the police report in my understanding. Uh, and, and so, uh, and so I'm wondering, I keep, I, I, that, that's the one case that I really want to put a lot of emphasis uh, uh, working on eventually, because I want, uh, I, I want, if, if this new evidence uh, does come up, that this case can be reopened, uh, I, because uh, it's not, uh, it's not an impossibility on that case, but I know that we're here to talk about, talk about Jesse, but, uh, you know, sometimes they all kind of like, uh, because you all, everybody's in that club, I mean, uh, and I know that you have been uh, uh, meeting other families and uh, we're gonna take a break right now, uh, come back uh, and uh, we'll talk about some of the other family members in other part of the country where you've been going to. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host from Walden, we'll be right back. The Mother's Justice Show is brought to you by H.G. Walden and the Virtues Healing Circles. Join us for wisdom and wellness with Reverend Walden a monthly virtual and in-person healing circle that focuses on community healing and growth. Learn more at virtueshealing.com. That's virtueshealing.com. Also, be sure to join our healing group on Facebook. Again, visit us at virtueshealing.com today. More and more these days, it feels like sports are losing out to hype. Who dissed who? Who signed the fattest contract? Who got busted for cheating? Lost 2 is the unique capacity sports have to inspire us, to unite us. Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's my joy to be on there. Thank you, Eric. That's one of my favorite songs. I discovered that song uh, about two years ago. And you know, little old me, I'm saying, oh, and it's been out for a long time, but uh, <laughs> it's a Marvin Gaye song, holy, holy, and it's, just, it's always just at the right time. You know, we just need to lift us, lift ourselves up, and know that we're going to make it through this. And uh, and so you've been going out, you you've been on the road. Uh, talk to uh, talk to talk to us about the people you've met and the friends you've made uh, uh, on this walk for justice. That you're not alone. So give us give us a talk on that. It's been I let me put it this way. It has given me immense hope and support. I have mm-hmm. met some of the I like to call them the OGs, like you know, the original <laughs> justice mothers and people of this movement. And you know, I've been meeting them and it's it takes a minute before the trust happens. So like, you know, certain mothers I'll meet and I'll maybe have a, a brief interaction. And then the next time I see them, I'm now getting a hug and I'm, I'm being more embraced. And um, I have found that locally and support among some amazing justice families here and being involved in some of the legislation and policies. But there's something more uplifting for me when I travel out of state and I go to these conferences that have healing circles and and um, pampering and just kind of... So my most recent one, I was so nervous. I mean, I felt like I didn't know what I was going to be joined. 
and I was invited to join um, Wanda, uh, Reverend Wanda Johnson um, for her 13th annual Oscar Grant Foundation and Gala. And when I showed up there and I, I walked in, um, they had this amazing gathering for all the impacted mothers. They call it Black Mothers, um, the Black Mothers. And then there's me. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely not Black. And but you get to be smothered in Black love, baby. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, when you get to be smothered in Black love and wrapped in that wrapper of Black women loving you, you're never the same, honey. <laughs> I, I just felt the love, the welcome, yes. the yes. Uh, the the unconditional of how they looked at me and how they saw me. Is I'm a foster mother who didn't give up on a foster child, and to yes. them, volumes, and that shows that love is not just blood, and um. I got there early, so I got to kick it with two amazing OGs. I got to kick it with Gwen Clark, Eric Gardner's mom, and Wanda Johnson, Oscar Grant's mom, as people started showing up. And the wisdom, those two women showered on me about how to stay strong in this fight and how to not feel that I'm alone was probably the most empowering weekend I've had. I came back from Oakland just feeling like, you know, <laughs> I felt love. I felt really loved. Isn't that amazing though? Because out of the ashes, the Phoenix still rises, see, and you have to find life in the midst of death somewhere, yep. you know, I mean, in order, order to be of service for the world. And I, and so they have, they, they, they found that place to be of service to others, see, you know, I mean, and I'm so glad that you've had this experience. I, uh, not glad that, I'm not glad that the experience that got you on this road, uh, I want to make sure I clear that up, but we never know how we're going to get on these roads. We never know what life is going to bring, but uh, it's been, it's been equipped with the tools to make it through and uh and create a uh, you know an infinite wisdom as you met you met high profile women <laughs> absolutely and there's and eric gardner and one of his daughters passed away too i mean because they've lost eric gardner i believe i believe that family lost someone in that family i i i, I don't know i think one of eric gardner's daughters passed away you know yeah, so 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 it's not unusual in some of these cases that somebody passes on because the stress is so 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 devastating. You know. And that was the idea of the weekend. So before right. the gala that night, during the day, we had um, speakers, people coming in and talking about joy and about how we can find happiness in this journey. Um, we even had two hours of hairstyle and makeup. Um, bonding where we were all like in one big room and we're getting our makeup done and our hair done and you know that then allow us all to just kind of relax and be with each other and so it was it was like this amazing thing and you know I'm just really excited that I continue to reach out across the nation and meet some of the most amazing justice families and it's one thing when I meet them on zoom 
and they're in the same meetings with me. And then I get to meet them in real life. You know, I mean, I almost feel like a groupie in a way. <laughs> well, you know, but, but, you know, we never know what's going to compel us to the next level and the next door we have to walk through. And I know I've done this, I've been doing this work now for 33 years. And I know that in order to get to the next level, there has to be some type of healing uh, uh, that, that you get through. I mean, some families never get justice. I mean, and uh, how, how do they make it through? I mean, uh, uh, and, and, and then how do they be of service to themselves and still love their own children or their family members when they're carrying such a, carrying such a, a heavy load uh, uh, what has happened uh, uh, and, uh, I, and, and so I, I'm so I, I want to commend you for being involved with these um, with these uh, powerful women uh, uh, who was uh, shouldered, shouldered, shouldered this burden because of so much of it nowadays is on video. I mean, just like Mrs. I, I, I don't want to mix apples and oranges, but no, it's the same type of thing over there in Memphis. Uh, Mrs. Andrew, I think her name is Andrew. Uh, uh, the young man uh, who got killed by the, by the Memphis police fight. Uh, uh, and then on that video, she heard him calling her, calling for his mother. And yeah. she didn't know that before the video came out. I mean, you know, and just like, uh, just like uh, uh, Joyce Floyd was calling for his mother, uh, you know, uh, on, on that. And, and so that, that has an impact, not only on, uh, not only on the mother who's alive, but other mothers when we hear that somebody, because, you know, mothers, even somebody 90, is going to get up if they can to go see about their child who's 70. I mean, there's something about that. And you're doing this, you're doing, you're doing the same thing. Uh, um, so um, it, it's, it's just because the more you, the more you, you can be involved with other people, the more that lifts you and the more strength that gives you to go be with somebody else you don't know to help lift them. See, I was just going to say that. And so I'm at a very interesting crossroads on this journey. I'm about four years out since Jesse's, you know, murder. And on this journey, you know, I, 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 I mean, there's so many people I have met. I've traveled to Minneapolis, to Washington, D.C., South Carolina, Oakland. I'm heading to San Jose um, at the end of this month. And then next month, I'm going out to Chicago. And all of these travels is to strengthen what I could bring back to help healing in this community. Because right, right. that is what I really need to do is Me that he needs to heal. Right. And like everybody, said, that's right. That's right. Healing is possible. And you know, one of the things I'm involved with the healing with the virtues, I, I'm, I'm a facilitator and we're offering healing circles also uh, with the, uh, with the virtues project, cause I'm a facilitator there. So that's also might be something we want to talk about at another time. But one little quick thing I wanted to mention to you, but since you met Mrs. Grant, I mean, Oscar Grant's mother, I was on a film when, when it showed here uh, uh, in the Seattle area and I was on the panel. And one of the things I was struck by is that he was obedient and I, because he, his mother asked him not to drive and he went on, he went on, he went on BART. He did. I mean, if that's a true, if that's true. Uh, um, and I often, I, that, I, I was in tears on that panel. I, I just was no good because all mothers, and I talked about all that. I thought about all the time I've taught my, asked my children to be obedient. And I was taught that obedience was better than sacrifice. Uh, 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 and then he was obedient, uh, and he didn't make it home. And that uh, that that really that that really touched my heart in a different way. 
because uh, you want the children to be obedient. And he was. And, uh, you know, he went on the train and he didn't come back alive. And so so that always, I always, that was always something uh, I was, was, I hope I can meet her one day because I just would just like just to have a conversation, just to give her a hug because he might, he did, he did exactly what she said, you know, um, he did, you know, and I, and I'm sure that has weighed heavy on her too at times that she had to work through that because he didn't want it. He was reluctant. He, he wanted to drive his car. You know, uh, uh, and he didn't come back. But uh, I am just so, I, I, you know, this is a, you know, I always say when you're walking, we're working with people who are affected on either side of this uh, equation, whether it's police violence, community violence. There's a privilege to be able to be invited in when people's lives, to be part of the healing process. And I hope that, uh, you know, just talking about it and, and being on my, uh, being on Mother's Justice Show, knowing that the, our goal is to keep the grassroots voice alive, not only here and around, see, not only here, but uh, uh, around around America. And we also do violence also in the community. Sometimes we have to have other uh, mothers on, because all, we're all in the same club. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, I, we're all in the same club. Uh, uh, and, and that's what unites us in some way, uh, because that loss is forever. And um, I just appreciate you coming on. Uh, this show is a podcast, and this will be available uh, uh, later on today or tomorrow on uh, on uh, KKNW, and uh, Mother's uh, uh, information there. So I uh, thank you uh, for being my guest. And again, uh, keep us posted uh, how we can organize to get people to come to the uh, now that the courts are opening up. Maybe we yeah. can get people to come uh, when uh, when 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 the trial date is set. Okay. Yeah, and we'll definitely let people know um, okay. being March 31st, and um, we believe that on that day is when they're going to set the trial date, and we're okay. hoping that is true. Um, All right, then we're out of time, but uh, but I'll bring you back on. You'll let me. You'll let me know. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, Elaine. All right. God bless you. God bless you in the work. All right, thank you. You listen to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Ben Walden. My joy to be on there. Have a good week, and I'll be I'll be seeing you later. Thank you. <laughs>